welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. How many of you are glad today that that tomb is empty? Amen. 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 I'm Jesse Gibson. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, Maybe you're here with family. Maybe you are with us on a consistent basis. We just want to welcome you to his church today. Brian is in our Amarillo campus. I have the privilege of being with you today. And we love Resurrection Sunday. How many of you just love Resurrection Sunday? It is a good, good day. Really, it's the best day of the year. We call it around here the Super Bowl of all Sundays. We love uh, Easter. We love all the chicks and the ducks and the llama or the alpaca. I don't know what that is out there, but uh, it has a bow on it, so it's better because I'm from Texas, and if you stick a bow on it, it is better. That is all there is to it. So uh, I'm excited about all the pictures and the fun that will be had today, but how many of you know All of that is just a celebration of who we get to celebrate today, which is our risen Savior, the one who's living, the only God that's ever been had in the history of humanity that did not die and stay there, but he was risen again, and now he's able to do miracles for his people right here on the earth. We're excited to celebrate that today, and I wanted to come today and just uh, really present a message that is uh, surrounding all all around the places in the ancient Near East and Israel, the Holy Land, that Bible land that our Bible came from and all the stories began. And today we are going to talk about the garden, Golgotha, and the graves. So I don't know if any of you have been to Israel. Um, maybe you have. Maybe you haven't been there yet. I was a Christian since I was a little girl. I think I'm in my 34th year of serving Jesus uh, right now. So tomorrow is my birthday. So that'll be uh, right around 34 years that I've served Jesus with my life. And I thought I had the luxury of being raised in church. So I thought I'd heard a lot of the stories and been in uh, Sunday school and all the teachers that did the little felt board. How many of you had a felt board in your kids' church growing up. Yeah, you did. It's awesome. And uh, no way to learn about Jesus uh, better than a felt board. I'm telling you, we should get one up here sometime. Those felt boards changed my life. So you got all these pieces, and they're telling you this story, and they're switching out animals, and they're telling you all these good things. And I really paid attention. I loved kids' church, so I really thought I'd gotten a lot of those messages. And then I went on to Bible school, and even then to get my degree in theology. And I thought, man, I've really processed a lot of these stories. I know a lot about the Bible and it and its uh, message. And I knew I hadn't gotten everything or read everything because it's a lifelong uh, pursuit. But I really felt secure in what I knew, my perspective, my outlook on the scripture. And I had been um, on, I had been invited to Israel a lot of times, and people had actually scheduled trips. And then one time we had to cancel, and the next time we had to cancel. But I was really excited uh, about going those times, and then I just completely lost my interest in it. And I'm going to tell you why I lost interest in it, because I felt like everyone that came back from the Holy Land, they came back just a little bit weirder. Have you ever had a friend that went to the Holy Land? 
and you had to sit through their slideshow, that happened to me a lot in my lifetime. And I really just didn't get it. I couldn't put it all together. The puzzle was really mixed up and it would just confuse me. I I was like, I don't understand, but they were so excited and they were so ready for me to go. And you know, I, I, I understand now because now I've been and I want everyone to get that experience. How many of you would like to go see the Holy Land in your life? I think every Christian believer should have it on their bucket list because it's like going home. I thought that I would feel a little uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff that goes on there, you know, and fights and all of the uh, of the political stuff that surrounds everything and when I got there I tell people I feel like I just walked into my childhood home I, I felt like I walked into my living room of my childhood home and I sat down on a couch that we called growing up the brown couch it was the best couch in the house in fact when we all moved away we fought over who mom and dad would give that couch to when they got rid of the couch because everybody loved the brown couch that's exactly what Jerusalem felt like to me the Holy Land felt like to me I was as comfortable as I'd ever been and I had so much fun and I couldn't believe how much fun I I was having because how many of you have had that friend that brought a prayer shawl and started calling Jesus Yeshua even though we're from America and they took that shofar and they blew it how many of you have ever had a shofar blown in your presence how many of you have ever had a shofar blown in tune in your pre- no there's no hands that's because it sounds like an animal is dying in the back of the sanctuary when someone blows one But it's all of these things because that experience and the things around them, it changes their perspective. It somehow ignites a desire to study the word and to know more about what God did for us. There's a beauty in what they're seeing that excites them and they want to show it to everybody. And today, I guess I'm kind of blowing my own shofar because I'm going to show you the pictures of the places. And I want to make sure that you understand that today is about taking a journey through the places that Jesus... Uh, took our sin and he took our shame and he took our poverty and he took our sickness and he did it all in a beautiful way and there are all of these places that you can still go and visit today but since you didn't get on a plane this morning I'm going to bring them to you how does that sound we're going to go from the garden to Golgotha and then to the grave I tell you what um, these are three significant places that you just saw in that video Uh, significant sites for Christianity, obviously. Every one of these places were designed by the ancient of day to impact your life. They are not there for no reason. In fact, places are not places anymore when Jesus is in them. Places aren't just places anymore when Jesus enters in. How many of you can testify that your house isn't just your house anymore, that you let Jesus into it? It's a different spot. I'm telling you, this church, it's not just an old service merchandise anymore because we welcome Jesus into it. When buildings buildings are buildings, they're just buildings. But when Jesus enters a building, everything changes. When Jesus walks on the scene, everything changes. When he comes into a life, everything is different. I can personally tell you that when Jesus came into my life, he changed everything. Places are not just places anymore when Jesus enters in. I want you to go with me today to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. The Garden of Gethsemane is where we're going to look first. 
the Garden of Gethsemane. It's actually located at the foot of the, of the Mount of Olives. Olive trees all around being grown in the Garden of Gethsemane is a special place. It says, Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch with me. He went a little from uh, he went a little fr- farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will." Now this is Jesus before he was going to be crucified on behalf of our sins lay down his life and bleed in a sinner's style of death. Someone who had committed a crime should have been crucified. And yet, even though Jesus had done no such thing, he found himself willing and ready to take our our pain, our sickness, our sin all upon himself. And why did he do that? Because it was God's desire from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned to come back on the scene with forgiveness, with redemption, to buy us back from that place that we found ourselves because sin had entered into the world. God could not be close to human beings and humanity because holiness cannot dwell with unholiness. And he was separated from us for a time, but he came back in full-fledged, ready to do it. He came in like, let's get this show on the road. I've got to get back with my people in relationship with them. And do you know that God paid your price and he paid my price because he wanted to? Jesus was not duped. He was not tricked. He knew exactly what was about to happen. He had no thought that it was going to be easy or painless. He knew that it was going to be excruciating as they ripped his beard from his very face and as his skin was torn from his body, exposing the very bones in his skeleton. Jesus understood something about this death that he was about to partake in. He knew that it would be excruciating and yet he knew that it would pay so that we could come back into relationship with him again. And a lot of times we like to look at Jesus' death as though it wasn't as hard. We like to look at the temptation that he faced here on this earth as though, well, yeah, but he was fully God and fully man, so it probably wasn't the same. And yet Scripture tells us very intricately that Jesus was tested with every test, tempted with every temptation, and yet he was without sin. And I think the Garden of Gethsemane is one of those places, this place is the garden of the press. You see, in this garden at the foot of the Mount of Olives, trees grew with olives on them. How many of you can imagine that the fruit of that tree was very heavy? And so they didn't take them far, far away to press the oil from them. They kept the press close. In fact, in that garden, there was a press. It's actually known as the place of the press. Because olives are just olives, but when you crush them and that fruit is crushed, the oil comes out. It is no wonder 
Why God had Jesus there praying. It was one of Jesus' favorite places to pray. And that night he leaves most of his disciples who can't stay awake because they're human. How many of you are glad God does work even when we sleep? And he walks over and he takes some with him and he tells them, I'm deeply distressed. I am under a burden right now. I am feeling the pressure. How many of you have ever felt the pressure of this world before? Jesus felt he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted just like we are. He felt the pressure that day. So much pressure that he began to sweat drops of blood. Have you ever been under so much pressure that you sweated drops of blood? I felt like it was coming. But I have never actually been under that much pressure. Jesus felt the press as the press came on him as the pressure came on him as he knew what was coming. He calls out to God himself and he says, listen, I don't want to do this. If there is any way to achieve the goal without my life being laid down, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as you will. So he's saying to him, Listen, I don't want this. I'm feeling it. I know that this is happening, but I'm still saying not what I will because in his flesh, he willed to run away. He willed to stop, right? In his flesh, everything in him was crying out, don't do it. If you've ever known that pain was coming your way, some of you women are in here today, and I want you to know when you go in to have a baby, you know that the pain is on the way. And most women will to get an epidural. Jesus was looking for his holy epidural because he did not want to have to go through what he knew was about to come for him. And yet in all his humanity, he was still so, still so fully God that he opted in when it came down to it because his greatest goal was to have relationship back with us. Not what was here in the temporary, but was what was eternal was what was important to him. And he told his disciples, I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling this come on me. And even as Jesus was approaching the cross, what was in him was pushed out. God was crushing his flesh and releasing the oil that would coat us, that would cover us. The anointing, the presence of God that we would be allowed and able to live in. Because he paid our price, we get to live with the oil of God. Oil was important in their day and age because it would cleanse people. How many of you could still use a little cleansing in your life? They, they used it to cleanse their bodies. They used it to bring light. How many of you in here are glad that God has taken you out of darkness and brought you into light today? The place where the oil was produced was the place that Jesus loved to pray and he went back there and he called out to God in his last hours that he would be here on this earth and he felt 
the crushing. I think people need to know God didn't just take your sin. He didn't just take your sickness. He didn't just take those things because those are the things that Christians like to focus on the most. But God also came to pay for the crushing, that pressure that we feel in everyday life. God came so that the pressure would no longer be ours, but it would be his. He came so that we could cast our cares on him because he cares for us. That means that he came for our poverty, for our worry, for our distress, for our family problems, for our almost divorces, for our past divorces, for our immediate need, for our financial pressure. God came for the press. He came for the pressure that's on you to deliver you. He felt it. He had it in his body. And yet he went through it so that you could be released from holding all of that burden in your human body. The garden was a special place. It was a place that Jesus loved to be. It was a place that God visited him, visited him there And it was all about that pressing Jesus needed to walk through in order to deliver us. You must press the flesh to release the oil of God. I want to encourage you today that if you feel more pressed than ever before, God's releasing oil in you. Every time the pressure of life comes on me, I don't like it. How many of you just love it when there's pressure on? Just love every minute of it. Just look at your spouse and say, this has been a wonderful day. This is just so much pressure. I just am enjoying it so much. No. People leave and go to the beach in Disney World to get away, right? To live in a fun place for a few days, to get outside of that. But if the flesh is never pressed, God can't release the oil in you. Some of us need in this day and age, to just start praying, God, if the pressure's on, I want to ask you that you would at least during this season release oil from me. What do you mean by oil, Jesse? The anointing, the thing that coats, the thing that brings joy in the midst of pain, the thing that brings goodness in the midst of misery, the thing that God has delivered to us, which is the presence of him. In our life, God, let this pressure bring out the good oil in me. Let something from this make, from what is happening right now in this life, come as oil that coats and eases. How many of you ever put, how many of you ever had a doorknob that needed a little oil on it? That creakiness, right? Just that noise, just the annoying, just that weird sound and just a little bit of oil and it remedies it. That's what God does in our life. That's what his oil does. Everything that's creaky, everything that's broken, everything that's rusty, everything that's annoying, God's anointing comes and it coats it and it gives ease to this life that we live in. How many of you want the oil of God to cover you? The oil of God to cover you. Jesus was pressed so that we could receive that oil into our life. Golgotha. Man, oh man, Golgotha. The place of the skull. If you look at the picture, you can see those eyes and nose. This is one of the places of two that people genuinely believe um, that the crucifixion took place at. Historians and theologians for generations have talked about this place because they believe that 
the sons uh, of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to see here, I think it's Moses, no, Noah, it's the sons of Noah, brought the remains of Adam. You know the guy that got us in trouble in the first place? How many of you ever had a day where you were just mad at Adam? You would have done it too, don't worry. Adam got us into this mess called sin. His wife took and ate first, Eve, and then he took and ate second, which is just proof in the pudding that men will eat whatever you put in front of them. They don't, a good man doesn't ask questions about the food, right? They just eat the thing. I, I remember when we first got married, I cooked so many meals for Brian Gibson, and he ate everyone as though it was delicious, and they were burned at least three quarters of the time. Had to throw all my pots and pans out after a year because I was such a terrible, uh, I was a good cook if it ever stayed, but if, it, if, if the temperature ever got up, it was done. We'd just roast everything. And not only did Brian Gibson eat it, he invited all of his friends over to eat it, and they acted like it was good. I don't think they knew the difference. Adam just took that fruit and he just put it in his mouth. He's, he didn't know. He just put it in, right? And from that point on, we found ourselves in a world full of sin that we couldn't get out of on our own. And God knew that. And so this place of the skull, uh, they believe and historians have, have believed for years and years and years, generations really, that Noah's sons went and got the remains of Adam, brought them to this place and buried them there. And that actually when Jesus was crucified on this hill, that an earthquake took place and cracked that thing down the middle and that the very blood of Jesus poured into that mountain and it went all the way down to the skull of Adam and covered the remains of Adam himself. That's why they call it the place of the skull. Isn't that incredible? That God, from the beginning of time, the minute Adam sinned, he made a plan. He had a plan in action to come after us. His goodness is coming after you. God doesn't leave you alone in your sin. He comes after you. God went to great lengths to make sure that Jesus would die and that he would be, that his body would be torn and that blood would be shed because that blood was the only thing that could pay for me and it was the only thing that could pay for you. God wanted us back in his care, in relationship, in his family. It was his greatest desire and Golgotha would prove to be the place that that was accomplished. Jesus would die there. And yet because of these songs that we sing when we're children on a hill far away. How many of you have ever sang a song that had those words in it? I thought that they drugged Jesus for days before they took him up there and crucified him. In my mind, it was far, far away from where he was when they captured him. In my mind, we had to walk forever. In my mind, he was far outside the city of Jerusalem. In my mind, everyone could have forgotten it was happening to him. In my mind, he could have been forgotten. In my mind, he could have been on the outside where no one was doing life and they could just take him out and secretly crucify him. But nothing could be further from the truth as I walked into the place that Jesus was crucified. It is right outside the city gates. It was close enough that they could hear his mother cry. The place that Jesus was crucified was close enough that they could have heard him say, it is finished. 
It was close enough that all of his followers would go with them and all of them would gather around. It was close enough that as they bartered for his clothes that every single human being around could hear them do so. Nobody forgot what happened that day. Every single person in the city knew exactly what was going on. It was the day of the crucifixion. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, went up on that cross with everyone watching, everyone hearing, everyone knowing, because he was to be the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the entire world. Our Jesus cannot be ignored. That day he laid down his life in front of everyone. That day, Golgotha, the place of the skull, was a big, big part of our history, of our life, of what God would do in us. You see, Golgotha released God's grace to the world. The garden released the oil into our life, but Golgotha released the grace of God to the world. They brought him, I want to read to you out of Mark 15 and verse 22. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Mark 15, verse 22 through 24 Everyone was paying attention. They were watching. They were offering him something to dilute the pain. And he was saying, no, let all the pain come on me. Let all of the ripping happen. Let every hair in my beard be torn. Let the flesh, that cat of nine tails had pieces of glass and rock and sharp things on the end of every single piece of leather that came from the handle. And as they would whip his back, it would land on this side and tear all the way to the other side, organs falling out. I'm telling you, this was not a beautiful thing. It was gruesome. Jesus laid his life down freely. The next time that you think that this salvation that God has offered you is cheap, Think again. God tore and ripped and bled and oozed and did everything that was not beautiful and no one wants to talk about in public. And he did it in public so that he could make a show of the devil being defeated out loud and we would have victory. <laughs> out loud, Golgotha released God's grace, his enabling power, his unmerited favor, the thing that we can't earn and we do not deserve, that's what Golgotha gave us. You can't be good enough. A lot of times people think that they're good enough. And if I can just clean myself up enough, God will take me. It's like trying to clean a fish under the lake water. It's not going to happen. You got to take the fish out and then you clean it up. God wants to catch you in his loving arms. And then he wants to take you and purify you and help you and, and make you righteous in his sight, right in right standing with God the Father. Nothing that you can do on your own and everything that God paid for with his blood. Do you know that you are never good enough to be loved by God and you can't do anything bad enough for him to quit loving you? 
God loves you so much. He desires to be near to you. He desires to be in relationship with you. And that is what Golgotha achieved in this earth. Jesus laid it down, laid it down freely. I want you to go with me to the grave in Matthew 27 and verse 57. Now, when the evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and he departed. This grave is right outside of the old city wall, and it has compelling evidence all around that it's the place. It had a garden that was there. Uh, There's a groove in the ground where you could roll the stone away. It's an incredible place to see and to visit. It's the very spot of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when I walked in, I was overwhelmed that God had actually laid there for me for three days. You know, on Friday, God just started counting one, two, three. And he knew that the third day would be what he had always prophesied, that Jesus would come forth, that that stone would be rolled away, that everyone that wanted to put Jesus aside and be, oh, so grateful that he was done doing all that stuff he did, healing people, telling them that they could know God, resurrecting people from the dead. This is Jesus's life on earth, and it had nothing on what he would do in his death. And here he is in this tomb laying, and he borrowed it. You don't borrow things that you're going to use for a long time. If you borrow things and you use them for a long time, you're considered a bad neighbor, right? People borrow things that they're going to be done with quickly. Jesus knew he would only need it for three days, and Joseph of Arimathea was there and ready to, let him, uh, to loan it to him and let him have it. And the reason that this is so important is because Jesus laid there and he took the time. He took what he needed to do to do the job. And then on that third day, I don't think it's any uh, wonder why God chose women. We like to shout things from the rooftops. And these women, first to preach the gospel ever, they come from the grave and they tell everybody what just happened. I'm telling you, women are the best at spreading the good news. And they came out full of fire and excitement because this stone had rolled away. The ground had shaken. Jesus was gone. Everything that had been told was coming to pass in this place, the grave. And so as I walked in, I was overwhelmed, but I'm telling you, as I walked out, something happened to me personally. As I walked out of that grave, I thought, man, this is where Jesus stood. It's when he came out of this place. It's where everything happened that made it sure that I could have everything that he said I could have. It was 
the thing that legitimized Jesus's message. You see, he could have been in that garden and then even in that place of the skull, Golgotha. But if he had never come out of that grave, he would not have fulfilled the prophecy of old. He would not have been the Christ, the son of the living God. But because he did, he is now our resurrected savior that has paid for us and everything we need has been bought. Everything we need. It was bought. The grave legitimized Jesus' message to the world. He conquered death. He conquered hell. And he conquered the grave that day. He came out with healing in his wings, with salvation in his garment, with deliverance for every captive. Everything we needed was in Jesus in that time, in that moment. You see, the grave is empty so our life can be full. The grave is now empty so that your life can be full. You don't have to be empty anymore. God paid the price for you. I want you to stand up on your feet this morning. Man, Jesse, I didn't know I didn't have to earn it or buy it or do something for it. You're talking about salvation freely given to me by grace. And if I believe it in faith, I can receive Jesus as my Savior. That's right. You got it. Maybe you didn't know that before today. I want to tell you today, Jesus wants to save you. He wants to give you life and that more abundantly. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God comes that we might have life and have it, hold it, and possess it in abundance. That's what the Bible says. Today, if you'd say, Jesse, man, I didn't, I, I, I am not a Christian, but I need to be. I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior, but I want to. I know we already gave an opportunity, but maybe you missed it. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe this message just showed you, man, God paid for me and I can receive it without cleaning up before I come. God will take me as I am and he will proceed to do the process. That's you and you're in the room today. You say, Jesse, I'm not a Christian, but I desperately want to be. I'm not right with God, but I do want to be today. I would love to pray with you if you're in the room. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all over the room? If that's you, say, Jesse, I need this moment. Thank you for asking again. I want to pray with you. If that's you, go ahead and lift your hand up on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand up. I see it. I see that one, that one. I see 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 that one. Thank you. I see that one and that one and that one. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, I see your hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else in the room today? I need to get right with God. I'm not, but I want to be. I see your hand, son. Thank you so much for doing that. I'm telling you, it's, it's brave to raise your hand, but it's amazing to cry out to God. And today you're going to call out to God. I'm going to give you words, but you're the only one in the room that can give it any meaning. God's going to hear you, answer you, forgive you, save you, and make you a new creation today. Easter is going to be your new birthday. And you're going to know that God is everything that he said he was because he's going to crash into your life and over the next year change everything for you. Everything. 
Before we even get started, I want you to listen to me. When we're done with this prayer, you're going to go to the info booth and you're going to allow them or our Next Steps booth in the back and ask them, I need that link to say I just got saved because I need those videos to come to me. Pastor Brian has prepared something specifically to help you in the next few days get started off on the right foot with God. And listen to me, you do not want to go get your deviled eggs and ham and miss those videos. It's a big deal in your walk with God because no one knows how to do it alone, but God knows exactly how to do it. And the church is here to hold your hand and to help you walk in that. We're so proud of you today. Let's pray together. The church is going to join you, but believe me, when you cry out with your own voice, God is going to hear your prayer and he's going to answer you with his salvation today. Are you ready? I want you to say it with me. Say, God, I am a sinner. I need a savior. You paid my price. And today I receive that blood in my life as my payment. God, I ask that you would forgive me, cleanse me, make me new. Today, I choose to believe in you. With all of my heart, I give you my life. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Oh, how about we rejoice this morning? If he walked out of that grave, I want to go too. How about you?